Welcome to the Apologia Podcast, the audio-only archive of the Apologia YouTube channel. Note that some content was designed to go with visuals, but the imagination can be a powerful thing. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a 5-star rating on the podcast app you're using now to help us reach more people. Or, since this endeavor is ad-free, consider going a step further and supporting us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash But for now, let's get to the episode. Part of the Ham and Egg News series, posted May 28, 2017, titled, Cursing and Birth Control, The Worst Sins. Welcome to Apologia, and another edition of Ham and Egg News, where I take a break from science videos to instead just react to whatever Ken Ham is reacting to. Hi, and welcome to Answers News for May 22nd, 2017. I'm here with Bodie Hodge and Ken Ham. It's uh, Memorial Day weekend coming up. Right. Mm-hmm. And do you know what happened uh, 10 years ago? I do, I do. Memorial I do. Day weekend? I know. I know. I know. You know? Yes. Me too. That'd be 2007 when Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End opened to $139 million domestic, which is still the Memorial Day weekend record. Also, Star Wars celebrated its 30th anniversary 10 years ago this weekend, which makes it 40. I guess most of my knowledge is movie-related. The Creation Museum opened. The Creation Museum opened. Shocked the world, didn't it? May 27, 10 years ago, 2007. And guess what? The secularists, atheists... We're saying nobody's going to come, and it'll fail, and it'll close. Ten years later, they're saying nobody's going to come, and it'll fail, and it'll close. And ten years later, right now, the number of visitors yeah. has tripled since mm-hmm. the Ark has opened. Yeah. yeah, Tripled. We've had over three million visitors at the Creation Museum. Oh, is this a chance for some more hashtag arconomics? Actually, the Creation Museum announced its millionth visitor about three years in, so three million in ten years tracks okay, particularly if the Ark has given the museum the claim boost. Keep in mind that Answers in Genesis is not beholden to anyone to release any reviewable attendance records. The place is still open 10 years later, and how much of that is ticket sales and how much is charitable donation, we don't know. Either way, if not for the Answers in Genesis ministry, I might still be a Christian today. So cheers, Ken. Yeah. And the atheists were no, protesting. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? They actually hired a plane to buzz the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the plane dragged a banner that said, Thou shalt not lie. But you know what was uh, good about that? I talked to some people that day who were like, oh, I, they, they couldn't find the signs, they couldn't find where the museum was. But they saw the, the plane circling and they're like, Oh, they, Answers in Genesis must have hired a plane. Oh, Thou shalt not lie. That's brilliant. They're telling the world. Okay, take note here that Bodhi just told an anecdote about people thinking that Answers in Genesis hired the atheist protest airplane. I'll rewind a bit for good measure. Answers in Genesis must have hired a play. Oh, thou shalt not lie. That's brilliant. They're telling the world. Well, they thought it was ours. Well, I met met people years later who said they were at the opening day, and they had thought that that plane was hired by us, uh, dragging a banner, saying that the atheists should not lie. Right, exactly. Without blinking, without the slightest sense of awareness, Ken steps on Bodhi's guests think AIG hired the plane story with his own exact copy version of the same guests think AIG hired the plane story. Ken sat there staring as his own son-in-law told the story, and Ken interrupted to tell the very same story. I point this out for anyone who still thinks that Ken could be swayed by videos, articles, debates, or social media posts. The man is not listening to his son-in-law at the same table. He's definitely not listening to anyone else. He's just waiting for his chance to talk. 
Uh, the evidence for the Bible's power of Babel discovered. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, really or not? <laughs> well, here's what happened. Actually, what, what was found is called the Tower of Babel Steel, and it's it's actually been around for quite some time. And I've got a picture of it here because I've actually published on it in uh, the book, The Tower of Babel, here. It's amazing how often the news stories chosen happen to correspond with a book or DVD they have for sale around the world. So. Who wrote that? Uh, you know, I actually wrote this book. No, no wonder you know about the Tower of Babel. This is a very strong piece of evidence that the Tower of Babel story in the Bible was inspired by this real building. This remarkable tablet, which has never been filmed before, dates to the 6th century BC. It also clearly identifies the man behind it, Mesopotamia's most famous ruler, King Nebuchadnezzar II. Now here's the problem. The Smithsonian got a hold of this, and they're like, "Oh wow, look at this, Nebuchadnezzar right there with uh, th this Tower of Babel." Oh, maybe Nebuchadnezzar was the one who built it. Therefore, it wasn't built back in Genesis 11. Instead, it was later on built during the the Babylonian uh, time frame there at the time. Not really. What the Smithsonian did was engage in a little bit of clickbait. Their video title claimed evidence of a real Tower of Babel. When what their expert really claims is that there was a real tower that may well have been an inspiration for the Tower of Babel legend. In the same way that real-life Earl William Charles Milden, who suffered a shipwreck, took refuge among apes, and eventually returned to London, likely served as an inspiration to Edgar Burroughs' Tarzan. If the Smithsonian's historian is right, that Nebuchadnezzar's tower served as an inspiration for the story, it does imply that the Tower of Babel story was created hundreds of years after Bodhi thinks it happened. And so they're like saying, hey, look, this is a confirmation of the Bible, but really what they're doing, they're attacking the Bible. Yeah, that's the clickbaity part. They're certainly not confirming the Bible in any way. Just hypothesizing about how the fictional Bible stories came to be. Think of it this way. Let's say we took a picture of Ken Ham at the pyramids. And we'll get a picture of you, and then somebody says, Oh, look, the, the pyramids were not built back at the time of ancient Egypt. Ken Ham built it. Not alongside that creation museum in the Ark Encounter. Hold on, Bodhi. So you're saying that two things can exist at the same time, even if one thing is vastly younger than the other thing? Would it be okay for me to use this clip next time you wonder why early bird fossils can be found at the same time as dinosaur fossils? Or why apes and humans exist at the same time? Yeah. Well, they want to say that the yeah. Genesis was written during the Babylonian exile, and so that they put right. this story in Genesis yeah. for theological purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, only Georgia understands the story. Yeah, they don't want to be an account of real history. Right. That, that's right. right. Yeah. It is because you have a conclusion before you consider evidence that you assume others operate the same way. You think the archaeologist doesn't want evidence to an actual Tower of Babel? Do you have any idea how rich and famous they would become? At least famous? Heck, you'd probably hire them yourself. If you can keep sending emojis, it helps the reach and get the reach out there uh, even more. Okay, so Ken's been saying this emoji thing every show for a while now. And since online marketing was once a huge part of my job, this wasn't ringing true to me. I know the camera operator is Ken's social media person, whom I'd love to talk to someday, and I'm sure Ken is just repeating what he or she told him. The social media platforms are constantly tweaking their algorithms, and keeping it vague is to their best interest. But as far as I can tell for Facebook, reader engagement, the likes and comments, will boost the likelihood that a given post will appear in a person's default top stories feed rather than their hidden most recent feed. However, that's still only for users who've already liked or follow Ken Ham on Facebook. Even a million likes won't make Facebook put it in the feed of someone who hasn't already followed. That's reserved for paid placement. Of course, it's possible to see what your friends have liked, so it could expand reach that way. Really, what Ken should be asking for is for his faithful to share the video, to maximize the chance of getting it wide beyond the current followers. But he's a simple man who has immediate gratification needs, so bursts of emojis it is. If any Facebook experts out there have any further insight, please leave a comment and let me know what I missed, because I'd love to know more. 
This comes from The Verge. Ancient human cousin found in South Africa is surprisingly young. So this has to do with the Homo naledi bones that were found um, like a couple years ago now. They now have dated them officially to be between 236,000 and 335,000 years old. And of course, they don't question those dates at all. No. If they didn't question the dates, how did we get new reports about the dates? Did the bones submit themselves for testing somehow? Against the will of the authoring scientists? Mysterious. They believe this Naledi is some sort of in our ancestry to human beings. Our evolution took place within a diversity of hominin lineages that existed with each other throughout that time. The thing is, when you look at the fossils for Naledi, they have a sloped face, they have a really small brain case, they have curved fingers. But at the same time, with wrists that look very much like human wrists. So, on a really robust mandible. It had feet and legs very much like ours, but they were slender. They're apes. They're, they're apes, that's all they are. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, that's what we find. We find apes or we find humans. We find species with some ape traits and some human traits. That's a transitional species. What else would a transitional species even be? And when you look at the, the skulls of any of these, when you actually see them, you can tell. You can tell. They're so obvious. Yeah. Because scientific knowledge is limited to whatever seems obvious to untrained people. Duh. Can I get an amen, Flat Earthers? So obvious. Kraft Mac and Cheese wants you to swear like a mother. Wait, are you kidding me? Where's Morgan? Morgan's not here? She's not here and they're doing a story on swearing? Are you kidding me right now? Happy Mother's Day, everybody. I'm Melissa Moore, author of Holy <laughs> A Brief History of Swearing. I actually, I actually watched this. It was an advertisement for Kraft Mac and Cheese. Yes. A recent study by Kraft Mac and Cheese revealed that 74% of moms say they've sworn in front of their kids. If you're one of the 26% who say they've never sworn in front of their kids, you're full of They had the person representing the mother mm -hmm. yeah. swearing. Anyway, I'm here to show you how to avoid some of these not-so-perfect parenting situations. For example, when your kids are running around like caffeinated gorillas when you're trying to make a web video, you might say, what the frog? You're acting like flipping goof nuggets. Take that horse hockey outside. Instead of, calm the f down and get your little f outside. So I had to keep beep, beep. Or you can say, get off your monkey flunking tablet and get your shit talky mushrooms ready for soccer practice. And you really want to say, move your and get together for soccer, you're gonna be out! I meant son of a motherless goat. No parent is perfect, but sometimes you can do better. That's why I'm here. Other times you can't, and that's why there's Kraft Mac and Cheese. Sugar, I said sugar. Yeah, basically she was saying, if you're going to be an effective mom, swearing is a reality. Sometimes we just have to swear, and that's okay. Nobody's perfect. You're a mom, and it's Mother's Day. I'm Melissa Moore, and here's to swearing like a mother. Well, that's that's offensive to me as a mother to think that I would have to use swear words to convince my child to do what I, you know, to obey me and to do yeah. what they're supposed to do. Nope. I can't vouch for what her book says, but not once in that commercial did the mother use swear words to coerce her children. She constantly labels swearing as not so perfect and is suggesting alternatives. She even admits that the food leg product she's endorsing belongs in the not-perfect parenting category. As you may know, I spent most of my life as a Christian, and swearing was one of those huge no-nos in the faith community I grew up in. I am one of those 26% of parents whose kids have never heard me swear, even to this atheist day. To this day, I've never heard either of my parents swear. 
I worked in the entertainment industry for many years, and my colleagues caught me swearing one time, and it became the gossip in meetings for weeks. Avoiding a handful of arbitrary words was somehow synonymous with holiness. Being separate and set apart. Pure. Now, if you've seen me on other channels where swearing is common, then you, unlike my kids, have probably heard me swear. I wrote a comic series, in stores now, with F-words galore. At the same time, you've never heard me use a so-called four-letter word here on the Apologia channel. Morgan, yes. Me, no. And why is that? Because my science videos, in particular, are not really meant to be viewed by atheists. They're meant to be watched by young earth-believing Christians. They're meant to be watched, one day, by my still-believing children. And if you've never been a fundamentalist Christian, you will likely never understand the power, the absolute unwarranted crippling power that Christians have given to a handful of synonyms for poop, sex, penis, and vagina. Those four-letter words are so powerful to them that they will cause the listener to completely turn off everything they hear after it. They don't even hear it. No truth can ever come in a sentence containing one of those colorful adjectives. If you said, fuck, you just won the lottery, they wouldn't hear the second part. They would never know they won the lottery. So, for now at least, I don't swear here. In the words of the Apostle Paul, giving advice on evangelism, to the Greeks, I became Greek, so that I might win the Greeks. However, if you think it'd be fun to hear me lose control, invite me on your channel and I'll be happy to take on the sailors. How about seeing what God says about how to train children? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What his word says? Let's see. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. Punish them with a rod and save them from death. Okay, the Bible clearly commands parents to give their children corporal punishment, to the extent where God says to let loose on the beatings and he'll protect the kids from dying. But where is the verse about keeping language clean? The list of magically evil words that cannot be said. Oh, that's not in there? There's literally no command against swearing? Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. So Jesus himself can let loose on a tree he didn't like, but I need to say fudge if I hit my thumb with a hammer? Christians, if you're listening, there are no sinful words. This is a construct someone has made up. Words have no power other than what you give them. Stop giving them intrinsic power just by being uttered. And their kids are being raised up to be wonderful children. And yet we have a secular world where people are walking out of uh, graduation ceremonies and things like that, which is something that happened here recently too. A peaceful, silent, symbolic protest against the man who has ideas they disagree with is related to saying bad words how exactly? I wonder if their mom was using Kraft macaroni and cheese or something. You know, when they were... This protest action is probably because they heard bad words when they grew up. Now there's a slippery slope argument I haven't heard before. If you can't sit there and you can't justify your own position and mm -hmm. listen to what they're saying and analyzing it, then there's something wrong with the way you think. It means you can't think critically. I mean, I think Ken actually has a bit of a point here. We should always be challenging ourselves with dissenting voices, opposite opinions. I can't accuse a theist of not listening if I won't give the same courtesy. That said, I also understand why Pence's views on homosexuality and other topics are worthy of opposing. I mean, I call Mike Pence a better Trump assassination deterrent than any Secret Service officer could ever be. So I'm torn. Am I wrong here? Let me know what you think in the comments. Well, it's sad to see that. That video, I guess, was pretty, pretty bad. Here's somebody here who said... The video is pretty bad? Georgia says not to watch it? This is unwatchable? And needs to be warned against? 
Is this horrific scene better or worse than hearing one of those bad words? Planned Parenthood enlists faith leaders to condemn religious liberty. You know, I, I like the way they put faith leaders in, in quotes, quotation marks. Yeah. What does that mean? Does that yeah. mean they're necessarily Christians? No. No, it doesn't mean they're Christians. It should be obvious from context that they might be Jewish or Muslim or Mormon or Wiccan or Jedi. Ken and his crew are laughably unself-aware that U.S. public policy about matters of religion apply equally to other religions, particularly the ones that actually are religions. Secular people are religious. What they're wanting to do, though, is they want to grab Christians or people who are at least attending a Christian church or trying to lead one, and they're trying to get them on their side. See? To Bodhi, faith and Christianity are synonymous. Sorry, other faiths. And yeah, this goes back to ideas. Planned Parenthood is presenting its ideas to everyone, hoping to change some minds based on the merit of those ideas. You just don't like that some in your faith are persuaded by argument and evidence. Or perhaps even worse, a different interpretation of your holy book. Well, they don't want people to be able to, like an employer, to say, well, I want to go according to my conscience, which is to not allow healthcare, my healthcare that I offer to my employees, be, be, provide abortions. Or Once again, Georgia is the only one who understands the point of the article. Provide mm -hmm. um, birth control that would, you know, like plan B, things that lead to abortion. How does birth control lead to abortion? Last week you said that higher reproduction rates for Christians gave your cause the advantage. If you let the dirty atheists have their birth control, you can press that advantage. Maybe we'll even go extinct. Something to consider. Yeah, and when they say, but you've got to allow our view, well, what about our view that right. says marriage is a man and a woman, right. gender is male and female? No, no, then you're being intolerant because you're not allowing mm -hmm. their view. The right to swing your fist stops at someone else's nose. Believe whatever you want, think whatever you want, up until the point where it infringes upon someone else. What someone else does that will never affect you doesn't affect you. But their view is they want us to say that our view is incorrect. Right. No secularist is telling a Christian to get an abortion. If people were forced to get abortions against their will, then you might have a valid comparison. You should have whatever number of abortions that your conscience allows. If that's zero, then don't get any. No one is stopping you from getting zero abortions. This is the age of information, not legislation. Imagine if you took all the money and energy you put into fighting the legality of abortion and put it towards convincing people they shouldn't get an abortion, even though it's an option. Wouldn't that be part of that free will you guys are all excited about? If you are so sure you are right, make the argument. If you win in the arena of ideas, the rest will follow. On television, they said, oh, we're going to have someone uh, who opposes your position on, and invariably they try to get someone who says, I'm a faith leader, right. I'm, 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 a, I'm a supposed Christian, or whatever. They want someone to say, see, there's someone in the church who disagrees with you. That's, that's what the secular world loves to see. The secular world would prefer fewer religious adherents. But what we do see is disagreement in the so-called body of Christ. No denominational split was prompted by the secular world. The Bible is so ineffective as a holy book that any person with any opinion or bias can find words in it to support any position. Just this morning, your own website posted this article picking a fight with BioLogos, also a Christian creation ministry with a handful of views you don't like. What secular person or group forced you to do that? So yes, Ken, I prefer to quote theistic evolutionists over Richard Dawkins to demonstrate that it's not the Bible you hold as your ultimate authority, but your own private interpretation of the Bible. They say abortion is not even mentioned in scripture. Well, yeah, it is, because, I mean, we know it's a human being from the moment of fertilization, the Bible mm -hmm. makes that clear, and that murder is wrong. So therefore, it is mentioned in Scripture. Well, that's not entirely true. Exodus 21, 22-25 outlines the punishment for causing a miscarriage by punching a pregnant woman. If the fetus dies, but the mother lives, then the punishment is just a monetary fine. 
monetary fine versus death penalty for murder. Hardly an argument that the Bible holds those two things as equal. So they found a planet that's about 440 light years away that is kind of similar to Neptune, which Neptune doesn't have life, but, you know. No, no. <laughs> but they think oh, yeah, there's but, water in its atmosphere. Yeah, but if, they, if there could be water there, it's something that right. nobody can actually see. They can postulate all sorts of oh, things. Yeah. How do they do this? Yeah. It's called science fiction, actually. Yes. They that's postulate true. all, yeah, it could be life there and so on. Yes, that's how science works. Someone postulates an idea, and then they go try to find evidence to support, or more likely, to disprove the idea. Are you unhappy that ideas are postulated? But if we say, how about, there could be, and there is, a creator God. Oh, no, that's stupid. Oh, no, you can't have that. No, I say there definitely could be, followed immediately by, what evidence do we have for this idea? Well, and this planet even went against what they expected. It didn't even follow the rule. There is no rule here, not even rule in quotations. Planet HAT-P-26B. Case 52ABX-32QJ. Case 52ABX-32QJ is unsolvable. Or maybe case 52ABX-32QJ is waiting for someone to de-unsolve it. What's case 52ABX-32QJ? Case 52ABX, we got to find a way to abbreviate this thing. Has different elemental makeup than the gas giants in our solar system, the ones we're most familiar with. This isn't exactly a paradigm shift. I couldn't find the papers predicting that all planets in the universe will be exactly like the handful we already know about. Come on. Yeah, they even said, you know, we know whether our, you know, maybe, line, yeah, maybe our hypothesis said. about the origin of things is not quite correct, or maybe it's just an anomaly, or right. how about it's not correct at all? Um, no. Neither the article nor the source paper said anything about questioning or conflict with any idea about origins. You're just throwing that in there. I'm guessing poor reading comprehension rather than dishonesty? But it could go either way. The, from National Geographic, um, the amazing dinosaur found accidentally by miners in Canada. So this is oh, yeah, a this finding is... of an autosaur, which mm -hmm. is actually really cool. If you've seen pictures of it... Georgia is not wrong. If you're following Polygia on Facebook, which I encourage you to do, you saw that I posted this exact article a few weeks back. It's so cool. I'm just going to let these guys ramble on while I show you the pictures. It... It looks like yeah. it's just in stone. I mean, it just looks like a dinosaur in stone. Yeah, and you can yeah. see the armor plating. and yeah, the details incredible. Oh, because it just looks like it's, it looks like it should be up and walking around. I yeah. mean, that's how lifelike well it looks. It yeah, well preserved. Well, you know, one of the first things they say here is 110 million years old. Well, yeah. Yeah, and here's the interesting thing. This is a land creature mm -hmm. that was buried in what they would call a marine deposit. Right. How did the land creature get in the marine deposit? A catastrophe. That's the way to you do it. You mean something like, like a flood, flood of Noah's mm -hmm. day could do it? If you're watching my Is Genesis History Science series, you've heard me talk about paleogeologists. During the Cretaceous, rising waters turned western Canada into an inland seaway. But that's just based on evidence and science, though. If you prefer stories, certainly every geological event involving water sounds like the Genesis Flood. It says rapid undersea burial. Oh, land creature. Rapid undersea burial. And then later on, they describe how the fossil might have formed by slow processes. This fossilization straw man has got to stop. All fossils, by necessity, involved relatively rapid burial. That is, faster than decay or scavengers, at least. That's requirement number one. Now, if the fossil in question is permineralized, as this one is, where minerals replace the body's structure, then that is a slow process as is the formation of the many rock layers above. Slow processes come after a rapid burial. Only, this is not a gotcha or a contradiction of any kind.
when I was at school, I remember my textbook. I clearly remember this one. It says, here's how fish fossil form. When a fish dies, it sinks to the bottom. Actually, a lot of fish float when, yeah, when they yeah. die. But sinks to the bottom, slowly covered by sediment, and then forms this beautiful, well-preserved fish. Oh, great. We're all doing science based on Ken's vague memories of a 1950s textbook aimed at children. What better resource has possibly been developed in the 60 years since then? Even back then, they knew the fish would have to be buried quickly, and then followed by eons of time. As discussed. It says, I heard that guts and skin were intact on that, on that uh, dinosaur. The skin was, certainly. Not skin. Fossilized skin. The skin has been replaced with minerals. Replaced. There is no skin. Fossilized skin. So if you can find some, uh, look up some pictures of that online, it's really cool. Besides just being a cool story, the Royal Terrell Museum, where this nautosaur is being displayed this summer, is just a few hours away from where I live. I'm definitely going to take time to go out there and check it out as well as revisit one of the world's greatest collections of T-Rex and other fossils. And I'm starting to think that maybe this should be some kind of Pologium meetup, to marvel at this cool stuff with other skeptics. Drumheller, Alberta is a glorious place to visit, also in close proximity to Banff. If this interests you at all, let me know in the comments and maybe I'll start to see if we can plan. In any case, I'm going to stop it there. The remaining stories were misunderstandings of Darwinian versus Lamarckian evolution, incredulity about whale evolution, and denial of an asteroid striking the Earth 65 million years ago. Check out my video called Disney Dinosaur Extinction if that last one interests you. Yeah. Alright, so, so we're that, signing off for the game. Here it is, your moment is in. Well hi, it's Ken Hammer here again and I'm with Ray Comfort. Have you ever seen a, a painting of the, of the pigs going into Not the sea really. and drowning? No, there's a lot of ham going down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he said, okay, I'll only come if you're willing to come on our cruise next year. <laughs> if you'd like to be notified when new reaction videos or proper science videos are released, please hit that subscribe button. I greatly appreciate it. Later.